Hey, welcome back to Dad Conversations. Today I spoke to my old friend Chauncey Thrift. Chauncey is a restaurant manager. We talk about his experience managing a restaurant during COVID, growing up in South Carolina, great advice from his dad, playing soccer at Indiana University, overcoming failure, getting humbled, being helped by a mentor, racism, advice for new dads, and much more. Chauncey loves to tell stories, so you're in for a good one. Now, if you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe to the show. If you're feeling really generous and want to help the show grow, you can leave a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app. The next episodes will include a professor from the University of Chicago, a very successful YouTuber, a wildlife control small business owner, an executive from the door-to-door sales industry, and many more. Past guests included multiple sales executives, a CrossFit world record holder, doctors, entrepreneurs, a tattoo artist, and a member of SEAL Team 6. I'll talk with each guest about their area of expertise, their life story and philosophy, and of course their approach to being a dad. All right, time to hear from Chauncey. Enjoy. Thanks for having me, Sean. Really glad that we're able to do this for sure. Man, can you believe it's been 17 or 18 years since we were playing soccer together in high school? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day, and she asked me, she was like, when did you graduate? Like, just not even thinking about it. And to think I graduated in 03, we were playing, so... So such a long time. Time has definitely flown by for sure. Yeah, yeah. How and you're in Charleston now, right? Yes, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. How long have you been over there? Um, I moved back to South Carolina three years ago. Like I went out of state for college, and then I started getting into F and B, and I stayed out of state for a while, and then about. It'll be it'll actually be four years in May that I've moved back to South Carolina. And when I moved back, I moved back to Charleston. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely a nice area. Mm-hmm. And you're the general manager at Charleston Sports Pub. I'd love to hear about that. Like for maybe for people who have never worked in a restaurant, can you try to give a glimpse of of what it's like as a restaurant manager? Yeah, absolutely. Um like you said, I'm the general manager of Charleston Sports Pub. Um, there's one of four locations in Charleston. Um, basically, you are in charge either like directly hands-on or you oversee the people that are directly hands-on to every aspect of the restaurant. I definitely, like, while I was up in New York and D.C. before moving back to South Carolina, I was a bar manager, so I really just focused on the bar side of everything. But definitely with the general manager side, I'm caring about food cost and food presentation. So it's definitely been a welcome addition and responsibility, but it's just basically... As the general manager, you're the face, and while the owner, our owners are our owners, they're not dealing with the customer every day on a daily basis like we are. So it's just 
you want to put yourself in the best light so you want the restaurant to be put in the best light so you're definitely always on the clock and making sure everything every i is dotted and t's are crossed yeah yeah the managers were always just going 100 miles an hour and multitasking like crazy yeah it's definitely it's definitely even like for myself like i didn't i never had an fmb job until i actually graduated college um but like for myself like once i got into fmb like i definitely like was always front of house so i was a server and then i ended up getting behind the bar and then even when i was just bar managing like it was like my job really was i would bartend and then one day a week i'd come in and i'd talk to reps and they would taste me on alcohol so i got to learn about alcohol and learn like how to make cocktails and what how to create cocktails and stuff of that nature but now being a gm every i have to go in at 7 a.m in the morning just to make sure my people get paid every monday like i have a gm meeting where we talk about all the events that are coming up and we're brainstorming on new events while at the same time with this period not trying to do events that make us look like we're not caring about the current situation and just telling people to come and be in like huge crowds together so it's definitely <laughs> a lot of pieces that like when i was a server or just a bartender because i mean when i was serving and bartending it was really i'm coming there i want to make my money and then i'm just ready to leave but like now even like i'll leave work and i'm still like i'm all the time like I'll be sitting at home watching television with my girlfriend, but like my laptop's up. I'm checking emails. She sees my phone ring and she knows like I have an emoji after everyone's name in my phone that has to do with Charleston Sports Pub. So like she knows certain names. She'll, she'll be like, oh, your director of operations calling or this is happening because she's closer to my phone. So it's definitely a job that never ends, but it's like definitely one of the things that like I enjoy about the position. Can you tell me about um, how COVID has impacted the business, how you've responded and what ways you've needed to adapt and um, any anything on that I'd love to hear about? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, COVID definitely affected us. We were really lucky in multiple ways that it didn't it hasn't affected us as bad as a lot of restaurants and restaurant groups in charleston um a couple of the re ways that it didn't affect us as bad is we already had a strong takeout and delivery like we do we obviously use uber eats and grubhub and stuff like that but we also have in-house delivery that was already well established and well known so when like all the restaurants shut down. Unfortunately, we did have to let go of all of our hourly employees. So we, Charleston Sports Pub actually never closed. What we did is we closed one location here in the low country, and then we closed one location in the upstate because we do have a location in Clemson and Greenville. And then we basically just brought our entire management teams together. And then we were taking orders, delivering food, making the food, so while we weren't seeing the sales that we 
typically would see at this time of year because obviously this happened in March. Like March Madness, I think, was supposed to start in like a week or two. So, I mean, I run a sports pub, so that is a very lucrative time for us. But um, at least we were getting some sales. Like a lot of downtown Charleston, that like a lot of people visit when they do come to Charleston, um, they weren't open for a while. Like when I first moved back to South Carolina, I actually worked in downtown Charleston. And like had I worked, had I not made the move to come to Charleston Sports Pub, like I know the place that I originally worked with before I left to come to Charleston Sports Pub, they didn't like COVID started and like they didn't open back up till probably I would say the beginning of June. And then it was on like they and they opened back up and they were just doing takeouts. And they were trying to build a delivery base, but like no one really thought of them as a delivery place because that stuff wasn't pre-existing. So like obviously we took a major hit with the lack of sports at first and then sports just being hit or miss because of obviously them having to deal with the COVID pandemic. Um, but it was at least we were getting some sort of revenue. So the hit wasn't as substantial as a lot of, because of a lot of places in Charleston that have been here for a really long time have closed or like they're still obviously feeling the effects. And like now, yeah, like we feel the effects because we're forced to, like, we can't serve alcohol after 11 or whatever ends up. So we, we do feel that of those effects because of all our locations, where we're located at, we were typically one of the few places in that area that stayed open till two. Like a lot of these places would close at 10 and then a lot of their staffs would obviously come. So we had, we would do very big late night numbers. So like that's a portion that has affected us, but Again, it's not affecting us as like downtown Charleston, like King Street, those places, a lot of them are mostly late night in which they can't serve alcohol from 11 to 2. So everywhere closes at 11 now. And are you able like at uh, half capacity for indoor seating or is it wide open? What does it look like? Um, so the capacity laws have been lifted. We definitely are doing the, we try to do groups that if it's a group bigger than eight, then we will split them up. We definitely try to keep distancing as much as possible. But I mean, like, we're definitely like all my employees, they get, a, they get their temperature checked before they're allowed to clock in. They're all wearing gloves. They're wearing face masks throughout the store. Um, even if they're in the back cooking, they they have to wear face masks. Customers, as they come in, until they sit down, they have to be wearing a face mask. Once they sit down to eat or drink, then they can take the mask off. They get up to use the restroom. Mask has to go back on. So um, everything's getting sanitized and wiped down after every usage. Uh, a lot of places, and we're starting to do it, are using the... QR code menus just so it's even less contact of the same surfaces for like different people. So like there's definitely like 
ways to build around it while trying to maximize the amount of people you have. And so, I mean, like it's definitely, there's definitely a large group of people here, as I'm sure everywhere, that still are very apprehensive about going out. So like we definitely have seen a spike in deliveries and to goes during this pandemic. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where right now we're trying to balance building the in-house ordering while at the same time just progressing what our to-goes and deliveries are. So like like we're not if if you're the way we are about it is if you're not comfortable being out, we totally get it. So let's really promote our to-goes and deliveries. So then you're in you feel like you're in a safe space. But then once all of this hopefully like clears up, then we'll be able to bring you in and you'll be able to sit and enjoy in the yeah. regular atmosphere. It sounds like you guys have done a great job weathering the storm and and part of that was from being forward thinking and already having your own delivery, but making some some good adjustments along the way. So kudos to you guys, man. Yeah, we definitely have an extremely strong team. Like I remember when it first started, like it seemed like we were doing GM and manager meetings every day. <laughs> like our owner our owners would meet with us, our regionals would meet with us. Like I was like my director of beverage, Kinsley Gray, like we would joke that we saw each like we spent more time with one another than we did our significant others at the time <laughs> and i'm sure our significant others would say the exact same it's just what it was like obviously we didn't have the hourly employees so we were putting in more hours in time but like it was this was the it was basically it was that this was the situation we were in like you could either figure out how to make it as good as you could for the time being, or unfortunately you would have to close your door. So. Right. Right. Um, you mentioned the menu and I've seen you post online, some, um, incredible food that made me really hungry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. I, what is, um, in your opinion, what's the best dish in the restaurant? Ah, really tough question um i think our southerner burger is up there like it's a burger that has peach jam on the bottom and then pimento cheese i love pimento cheese on burgers and bacon i think it's a really good burger um our bird dog fries which is just honestly it's really just bacon cheese fries with honey mustard on them but they're delicious <laughs> um like like we're the way I mean we are a sports pub, like we definitely want elevated food, but at the end of the day, like we know what we are. We are a sports pub. You come in there, you're gonna see at least thirty-five televisions. We're gonna have on all the games. We're just a fun atmosphere. You wanna bring kids, that's fine, because we have games for them to play while you watch a game. There's outside games at a lot of our most of our restaurants because we do have that type of at, area that's part of our properties as well so like it's just like we try to do our best to definitely we're definitely pushing quality and good food but like we're, we're not trying to be halls like we're not a steakhouse that's just not what we do 
Yeah, yeah. Knowing what you do and what you don't do is one of the keys to success in business. I remember that was Absolutely. like my uh, strategy professor in business school was harping on that so big. It's like being able to say no is is critical. Otherwise, you don't have a strategy. Exactly. What is something you wish the average person knew about your industry? Um, one, a big thing it, for me, at least, is that the I wish the average person, like, I think there is a concept in a lot of people's minds that you're in F and B because you didn't have other options, um, which, like, there's a lot of people, like, I mean, I went to University of Indiana for my undergrad. I got my master's from UVA. So, like, I mean, and there's like a lot of people like that. Like we have clip guys that are grads from Clemson, guys that are grads from Purdue. One of our GMs went to Texas Tech. One went to Texas A&M. Like a lot, like, uh, and I won't be the, and I'll be the first one to admit, some people do join F&B because they don't have another option. But like that could be the, that could be said of a lot of different jobs. So like, I know, Obviously, like, I don't get it as much now just because, like, I'm in the polo and I'm a manager or whatever. But I remember, like, being a bartender and living in New York and the person would be like, so what do you actually want to do with life? And, like, I had, like, I was a year or two years from getting a master's from the University of Virginia, which isn't a small deal, but, like, I'm like, this is like what I wanted to do. Like I went to UVA. My master's is in business and restaurant management. Like I had already decided like this is the route that I was going and stuff. You know, like while wow, like yeah, like some people like it's done as like their last resort because they don't have other options. It doesn't mean it's the case for everyone. Yeah. No. A good bartender and certainly a, a manager um, and even a good server can make money uh, two to three times as much as a lot of people with a, you know, normal job. So absolutely. That's um yeah, I get it. I mean, there's some there's certainly like you said, there's plenty of people who didn't finish uh, high school or college that go into food and beverage and do really well. Uh, some that don't and some that got a master's degree or a PhD that do well and some that don't, you know, but it's, uh, exactly. it's, a, it's a, it's a good career. If you, uh, if that's what you like, then that's great. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you have any good stories you can share? Like something funny or crazy about the team or maybe a ridiculous customer or any, anything <laughs> that would be interesting for listeners to hear? Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, uh, it's, kind of two stories that like are intertwined. Um, so unfortunately, my, my girlfriend, Caitlin Polito, is probably one of the biggest Dallas Cowboy fans on the face of the planet. Uh, <laughs> I say unfortunately because Cowboys fans are, they're a special breed. They definitely <laughs> let you know who they root for and no other team exists in their eyes. So I remember like one of our like we had just recently met oh my god and it happened to be during football season and 
like after us going on a few days and us hanging out for a while, she was like, I want you to watch a Cowboys game with me. And I was like, that's cool. Like, obviously, I love sports. She loves sports. We could do that. Literally, like, she was terrified. Like, she never watched football with, like, a significant other just because she gets so invested into the game. Um at one of the, so I was like, sure, that's fine. I was like, where do you want to go? And so, um, she actually used to frequent not my Charleston Sports Pub, but a different one or whatever that was like really close to where she lived. Um, and this Charleston Sports Pub was actually, when I first started with Charleston Sports Pub, it was where I got trained to be a manager in like the Charleston Sports Pub type way. So the game is happening. She's getting extremely excited, like begging on the table because Dallas is playing terrible. Um, <laughs> so like, like she would like scream and then she'd catch herself because like she didn't want to embarrass me in her eyes. Like she didn't want to like make a scene because she like obviously like she knew I was a GM for Charleston Sports Club, even though this wasn't my location. But um. There and at this location, there is there is a older gentleman who comes in every Cowboys game. He has this decked out white van, and all over it is Cowboys stuff. <laughs> like he has this huge cowboy flag that he brings in. He's wow. he's huge sweatpants. Like this man will wear. Like he will. Like it won't be. We're in Charleston, like it's September. So it's not cold, but this guy's always cold. So he will legitimately walk in and he will be wearing a Cowboys t shirt with a Cowboys long sleeve shirt on top of it, with a Cowboys windbreaker, and then a Cowboys hoodie. I don't, I don't understand it, but it's just what he does. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so him and my girlfriend Caitlin like have never really saw eye to eye. Like she respects the fact that he's the Cowboys fan, but like never saw like eye to eye. Remember, literally, like they ended up coming back and winning this game. Like it was a weird game that they ended up coming back and winning. <laughs> and she so like they're, they're like by the end of it, like they're arms around one another, acting like they've been best friends for years. I was like, <laughs> I was like what is, what are you doing? Like, you don't like this person. And she was like, Chauncey, it doesn't matter when the Cowboys win. And like, legitimately like, felt that in her heart. Like, nothing could go wrong just because the Cowboys won that day. And like, that's like a big thing, like why I choose to be associated with sports pubs, just because like sports do have that like, tying and bringing a community together, whether it's in heartbreak, because obviously being in South Carolina, like a lot of our bars are like, we do University of South Carolina and Clemson like watch parties and stuff. So like definitely seeing like, uh, uh, like we used to have the Clemson pep band of Charleston, like play at our West Ashley location. Um, they didn't do it this year, obviously with COVID, but like I've definitely seen like the highs of highs with Clemson at that at the West Ashley Pub. I've definitely seen, obviously, like it was a pretty low time <laughs> this year, but yeah, it's just like crazy, like the fandom, but like how like 
a lot of times you see the best in people come out just because they like a certain <laughs> like the same person or like the same team and it's really like nice to see for sure yeah sports are it's so crazy i don't really understand the psychology behind it but it's like some kind of tribal thing like i went to on a whim i went to the uh 2018 national championship game i got some tickets from work bought a really expensive plane ticket stayed on a friend's couch went to the game against uh clemson alabama i'm a huge clemson fan we smashed alabama and it was like every every two seconds i'm turning around like high-fiving and hugging at people in front of me on my left my right behind me behind me and to my right you know like everyone and we were just like it was like euphoric like better than any drug i mean and and um and and it brings up people of all you know different persuasions and backgrounds together where you're just like these are my best friends ever you know i just met them <laughs> it's yeah, such a weird yeah. thing cool man i appreciate you telling me about it it's fascinating to hear about um I, i'm always interested to learn about businesses in general but especially a restaurant in this you know the past um 10 to 12 months has been crazy so um thanks for shedding some light on that for us absolutely so um, for those that don't know you, you know, tell us where you grew up, what type of kid you were, and what were some of your interests? Yeah, um, so I actually was born in a right outside of Columbia, South Carolina, like was grew up in a place called Cassett. Um, it's a really small town. I would even call it a town. <laughs> and yeah. so my mom was a former teacher and my dad was a manager of department store um so like definitely like was i am the youngest of five um definitely was brought up by my parents to with a strong work ethic and just like definitely working being taught to work so you put yourself ahead of others but never treating people poorly just because you put yourself at that level i remember like a quote that like my dad would say to me often was i want you to be the best but i always want you to work like you're the worst um which like definitely has affected me throughout my entire life and it's definitely a mantra that i definitely have i've used and i would say has brought me a lot of the successes that i have had in life um <clears throat> that's such a good yeah. mantra man like people need to hear that more and more because um it you know i don't know it just feels like people were, we're all becoming weak-minded and and it's like no just work freaking work hard you know yeah exactly like i mean and like it for about for like me it's like double-sided like just because you get to a level it's always about never being satisfied because if you're not moving forward like there's no such thing as like staying stagnant in place you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards because somebody's behind you is getting better and stuff so like you definitely look at it as always working to become better but then like never forgetting about like where i started and stuff of that nature but um yeah like i said i was the youngest of five from a small town right close to columbia start and i was going to 
like midway elementary and then it's sixth grade and my parents did it for like all of the kids they asked me if i wanted to go to private school or if i wanted to stay public school and i knew if i stayed public school my parents were not like it was just they had a bad experience with my oldest brother going to north central schools so i knew i wasn't going to go to north central my mom being a former educator reached out to the superintendent at the time and dr kang and he and she basically got him to agree like i remember i was it was a summer going into sixth grade i was trying to go to lugoff elgin middle school even though i lived like 20 minutes away like i passed camden middle school to get to <laughs> um but like i remember like sitting down with the principal at the middle school and he like sat down with me he was like he knew my mother previously and he was like gave like i was basically given a shot and he was like if you do any sort of are any sort of disciplinary problem like you'll be forced to go back to start going to north central schools like if it's not working out just let me know and like it'll be fine like it won't be that big of a deal like it was it was i don't know if it was just a t because it was that time or whatnot and stuff like it was like i never like lied about where i lived like people do now for like sporting advantages and stuff like i basically everyone knew that i didn't live close but i went to lugoff i went to the lugoff le schools um so yeah i started going to le schools um met some of like my really close friends that i'm still close to now like the matt tysons the will roberts the matt harris's the brian clifton's um those are some then, good like, dudes right there, there. Yeah, and then, like I slowly like just started, but I was always like really good at just in school, just naturally and stuff. And then like once I hit high school, like I just started doing random things. Like I never played. Like I obviously you know we played soccer together, but like I never played on a soccer team until my junior year of high school. Um, Which like, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, I never, I never, you, were, you were a pretty decent player, man, for never yeah, picking it up. Yeah, like, yeah, like uh, was my first year play. Like I remember, like middle school, like me, Will, Mats, and stuff. Like we would kick the soccer ball around and goof off. But, like that was really all of my knowledge of soccer. And then after our sophomore year, like Will started talking, Will and. Um, Matt Harris started talking to me about possibly trying out for the soccer team, so I did. And then I came back my senior year, and like we had a really good, pretty good season. And like that's uh, one like I got like named to the state's all area team and made all region and stuff of that nature. And then I like played a little bit in college, but um, it was just like, and I think like the mantra that like going back to the mantra that my dad told me, like that was why I was able to be successful because obviously like I was playing with like guys like Matt Watts and Matt Harris and Brian Clifton who had been playing soccer Will Roberts who had been playing soccer in their entire life and were really really good players and yeah. stuff and like obviously I'm not out there trying to embarrass myself so like I just worked really hard and <laughs> like 
took the talents that like I already had and tried to use them to gear towards soccer. Like obviously, like I was an extremely fast player on the team, so like what I already had that, so I just tried to build other things up. I mean, I never picked up an instrument uh, until my freshman year of high school, and then I was on the drum line as a sophomore. Like <clears throat> it was like I remember like in high school. The way, like the way I was taught, was during lunch I would go to the bedroom and Matt Tyson or Travis May would take me into the percussion storage room and they would like teach me how to read sheet music because I had no idea um, and stuff of that nature. Um, but and yeah, you played yeah. the like the coolest instrument in the band, which is the quince. Yeah, <laughs> and like it was like I like I remember like it was crazy like i mean like you know like i had no idea really how to read music like i would have you guys t write the notes like when it was concert band it'd be like hey write these notes so i knew how to we're in the tune timpanies and stuff because i didn't know what was going on but i just looked at it like like quince and stuff and i was like oh i could totally do this but i had no idea like i could i knew what the notes meant and stuff but as far as like really reading music I had no idea what i was doing i just faked it till i made it and stuff and like sometimes that's what you got to do just the adaptability um yeah but then graduated from le i actually got accepted to the air force academy hated it for, <laughs> for a year and that's when i transferred to ie and then graduated from ie and then went to uva got my master's Wow. Man, um I really want to hear about the Air Force Academy for a while. I was um dead set on wanting to go to the Air Force Academy, but before that I want to mention um you brought back some memories, man, with um mentioned Matt Harris. I still remember him juking me out of my cleats. Um he <laughs> yeah, was so good. <laughs> and then um I remember one time when Brian Clifton hit a shot he hit a goal from like midfield he was trying midfield. to like yeah do you remember that shot <laughs> yeah i do that was crazy <laughs> on the left hand side he just boots it like expecting someone to head it in but he just hits it like perfectly in the corner it was amazing yeah it, yeah i do remember that shot um yeah like it was we definitely like had some really talented guys for sure and like obviously like i was extremely good friends with a lot of those guys so like, I don't know, and obviously like, I like I liked always liked watching soccer, but like I said, like never played competitive until I was a junior in high school. So, uh, getting into Air Force Academy is a long process. You need to be sure you want to go to go, mm -hmm. uh, and and tell me what it was like getting there, um, and what you know what it's like being a student and what uh caused you to want to head somewhere else um for me like i mean like it was like a great honor to be accepted obviously like you said like i got had to get like senators to vouch for me like you have to jump through all of these hurdles and hoops just to truly even be considered because even though you get these things it's not like check these three boxes and then you're in the Air Force Academy. Like you have to check all of these boxes and then 
they decide if they want you or not. Um, <clears throat> so, like, definitely, like, obviously, like, there was a physical fitness test, which was never an issue for me and stuff. Like, I had the grades, like, uh, had a solid SAT score. I had a good GPA, good standing in school and everything of that nature. But um, it, I think, like, I, I just think, at the time, like, I don't think I was ready. Like, I mean, it's a lot to ask of any 17-year-old, whether it's the academy or just the regular military to ask a 17-year-old to just be yelled at and not, like, berated in, like, a, a bad way. It's just, like, they have a process that they have proven works, and it's they break you down, and then they build you up into what, they need you to be and like that's all well and good but like I obviously like coming from a small town in South Carolina where like I like and like I had to go there like early like I think like we graduated like mid-April and then I left for Colorado Springs mid-May end of May and stuff so like I left where it was Really small town, big fish in a small pond, whatever. Everyone's telling me how great I am to this man yelling in my face, telling me to run, whatever. Which, like, obviously, like, I mean, like, you play for Coach Brown. Like, he would make us run for absolutely no reason. But, like, it's just what it was and stuff. And I was like, so, like, like, I think, like, at the time, like, I was just a little too immature to handle it the way I should have. Or whatever, like it's definitely not something that I regret ever doing and stuff because I definitely learned a lot and stuff, and it definitely like honed my game or whatever, and like definitely made me more prepared for playing at IU and stuff. It's just like I felt like for me, it was that I felt like wasn't really getting the full college experience by being part of a military academy. So it just sure. like, I mean, like there's different strokes for different folks and it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Wasn't the right fit at that point in life. Yeah. Um, and you went and did you study um, an undergraduate was also in business and, and restaurant? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, what was it like at uh, Indiana? Um. Indiana was cool. Indiana kind of reminded me a lot of Clemson. Like IU is basically a farm, a college in the middle of a farm. Like that's it's a it's big, it's a, yeah, it's a big <laughs> farm, and then there's a college in the middle of it. That is what IU is. Um, obviously, IU was extremely good at soccer. I mean, definitely. I feel like my junior year of high school prepared me a lot for the IU because like I went to IU and they had just won a national championship <laughs> um so like my first year there I didn't I didn't get much playing time until Stevie got hurt our starting striker and then when he got hurt like I got a lot of playing time and I just never like gave it up after that but um like, definitely getting IU at first, it was, like, humbling because, like, they definitely, like, 
I mean, like IU was recruiting me like in high school. So when Air Force, when I decided I didn't want to go to Air Force Academy, and IU still wanted me, be again being a naive and smart like eighteen year old at that point, like I just assumed like I was going to go to IU and take over. But like at first I didn't like the coach. Like I had I had some bad habits that like the coach had to break me of, and like he did. But like I just kept working at it until like I was able to earn what the the time the minutes that I was getting. That's awesome. I didn't even know you played soccer in college. Yeah, that is cool. And then you headed to Charlottesville to UVA. Mm-hmm. Is it right? Yeah, um, got accepted to their business school and went to Charlottesville. That's really like when, cause like I like I did the restaurant management, but I was never really sure if I wanted to go the F and B side as far as business or whatnot and stuff. But like Charlottesville is where I really like started. That really like molded me just because. Basically, there were there was uh, there's a restaurant owner. Well, he sold his restaurant. Now he is part of a brewery up in Charlottesville. But um, Jr. Hadley, who owned a bar named Boylan Heights, um, and it ends up that him and my oldest brother are friends. Like they went to college together and stuff. So when I was started going to UVA, and my oldest brother knew why I was going there, he reached out to Jr. So JR, JR reached out to me and he was like, I heard you're coming, going to UVA. He was like, I know like what you're majoring in. Like he was like, why don't you come work for me? He was like, obviously UVA business school is no joke. So he was like, I'm going to make you a real manager and you're going to have like responsibilities. But he was like, I'm not going to overload you. And to the point, but like, he was like, if you're thinking about being on the restaurant side, he was like, why don't you come work for me? I can give you pointers, like teach you the way. So like I was able to obviously get a lot of the book knowledge by going to UVA, but I got a lot of like on the job type knowledge by just watching him and seeing how he worked. Because at that time he owned, he owned three restaurants at the time and stuff. So like it was definitely, a great learning experience academically, but like a great learning experience. And that really like got me to the point where <clears throat> I knew, okay, what am I truly doing with business or not? And what route do I truly want to go? Is this restaurant management just a minor that like I'm never really going to use? Which I mean, like, it's fine if it is, but like, this is me getting my master's. I really need to hone in on what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome to have someone take you under their wing like that. Yeah, for sure. Now, I feel like for the average person, when they hear Charlottesville, they think of white supremacists. Um, yeah. What was your experience being a black man in Charlottesville? So it's really crazy i moved to charleston on a tuesday that friday it was either friday or saturday that weekend was when that whole march happened 
Wow. And stuff like but like I mean, besides that, like I don't like I had I had a great time in my with my time in Charlottesville. Um I like that's where I met the mother of my daughter who is now ten. Um I met her in Charlottesville. So like I have like I've never like experienced like I look at it a lot kind kind of like growing up in South Carolina. Obviously like there's ignorant people everywhere. Those sort of things like unfortunately even though it's 2021 like those things happen. Like I remember I don't know if you remember but our your sophomore year so my junior year when we played R&E someone called Matt Harris the N-word. And then the following year we played R&E and then it was, I think it was Matt. I think it was Matt. Like it was last seconds. It was a tie game. Matt Watts just booms the ball up the field. Like I run it down. And like basically, I am blacked out at this point. Like I am just trying to like find a way to rip a shot off. And then somehow in being blackout, like I just hear Matt Harris calling my name and I drop it. I just drop it back to him and he just lasers a goal in. In which we which caused us to win the game because like he scores the goal and then twenty like they do their face the face off and then like instantly like the whistle goes off. Um like those things happen, unfortunately, these time and like I mean, yeah, it does happen more seemingly more to people of color, but like there's places in the world where Caucasians are the minority and they get discriminated against as well. So like, I never like experienced any like negative backlash in my time in Charlottesville, but like, obviously, like I know those things happen. Obviously going to UVA puts you in a kind of a bubble, especially in Charlottesville and stuff, just because one, so much of University of Virginia's students are not from the state of Virginia. A lot of them aren't even from the United States. Like it is a vast amount of international students that come to UVA um, and out of state students. So like Charlottesville definitely has, whether it's for the detriment or the betterment of it, like they definitely put a bubble around the students and stuff. Mm. So like. I never experienced it, but it definitely was there. That's awesome to hear you never experienced it. Um, and, and you have a, a unique perspective, really. I mean, growing up in the South, spending time in Colorado, Indiana, Virginia, yeah. New York. What What's your, and we didn't plan to go into this, um, but I can edit it out if you want me to, but like, what's your thoughts on where we're at as a society with race being seemingly front and center in in every conversation i mean my thoughts are like there there are some racist people out there and i think most people have unconscious biases but i don't feel like it's a racist country you know but what are where do you feel like we're at um yeah i feel like we're better we're making progress or or anything i feel like 
we're definitely making progress and I think we're content it's continued progress. I feel like obviously lately with like how blatant some things have been, like it's forcing some people who not necessarily didn't want to admit it, but just because they weren't experiencing it in their everyday lives to see things that they didn't truly think were still the case. Um, so, like, I definitely think, like, we're moving in the right direction, but, like, with any sort of progress, in my opinion, like, you're going to have stumbling blocks. You're going to have those dark days. Like, just as long as, like, we as a country continue to move in the right direction, like, I think that's all you can really ask for. Like, I think, like, people, like, the whole, like, saying of uh, I don't see color, blah, 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 like, I understand the sentiment of it, but it's, in my opinion, it's kind of asinine. Like, you see me, you see I'm black. That doesn't mean you hate me because <laughs> I'm black, but, like, you see, don't be like, I don't see color, cool. Sure, you don't. But like everybody sees it. Like everybody has biases. Like enough. Like it is crazy. Like I attempted to hire this girl for Charleston Sports Pub. Around this time, we were going to do a like signing for Ric Flair or whatever. So, oh, just in I explained to her, yeah, we do all these cool events. Like Ric Flair's coming. Like we've had. We've had Tom Glavin come and do signings. We've had John Smokes come and do signings. All these different people have come and done signings. Touch Boy does signings frequently oh, for our different locations. Um, Hunter Renfro did a signing like right before he joined the Raiders. Um, like different people do signings. She looked me in the face and immediately was like, I don't think this is going to work. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, if this is the type of company that would come and be um, like, what was her word? So she was like, if this is the kind of company that would partner with Ric Flair, I don't want to do anything with, with them. Like, that is a very unique and, and I, at first, before she explained the situation to me, extreme bias, but it's a bias. Like, people have things that happen in their lives that cause biases. Whatever. Like it turned out that randomly this person's grandparents lived next to Ric Flair one day. Like they were just walking. He apparently screamed at her grandmother and then let the dog out. <laughs> Whatever. So she doesn't like Ric Flair. But like those, like that is an extreme situation. But like, I mean, people have things that happen in life, like that causes biases. So like thinking that we're ever going to get to a point where there's no racism racism in the world like that's just not logical as long as like we're constantly working towards a place where the reason you get the job or you get what you're supposed to be getting is because the work you put in and what your abilities are not because of the color of your skin or who you know or what what's your last name or whether you happen to be born with an X or Y chromosome. Like, as long as we're continuously progressing, I think we're moving in the right direction. But thinking that we're gonna become a utopia because like we defund police or we march for three straight days, like that's just not logical. Yeah.
Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good, good take on it. Um, I would love to hear from you. Are there any like favorite books you have that have been particularly influential in your life um, or books that you like to recommend to others or that you've given away as a gift? Um, I'm a big, like, I'm really, I'm a big, like, biography type person, whether it's auto or written by someone else. Like, I really enjoyed the Phil Jackson book. That one was a really good one, just because, like, I'm not a Bulls fan, never was. Like, I don't hate Michael Jordan, but, like, my favorite basketball player growing up was Gary Payton. <laughs> not he was smaller, played good defense, like, well, and stuff like yeah. that nature. But, um, like, yeah, the Phil Jackson memoir book was really, really good. And then there was, I, like, when I do read books that, like, aren't, like, in the biography or autobiography realm, I just like, like, I like Dan Brown books, like, really any other Dan Brown books, just because, like, I feel like those books are, like, the movie crash but just in book form where it's like seven different stories and you know that somehow they're all going to collide but you're f- trying to piece it throughout and stuff and while like that stuff doesn't like obviously like i don't use that in my everyday life like those are just like i think they're well written and i appreciate them for what they are because like obviously like in today's society everyone's glued to their phone trust me i am the worst at it <laughs> I mean, like I have my watch, so if I don't have my phone, I'm still seeing what's going on, just so like I could I can just look at my watch. But like it definitely is sometimes it's really nice to like untap from all of the Facebook and Instagrams and your cell phone and like watching TV countlessly. So like I remember like growing up, like school being done and we would I would we all the time like we would go to either Brian Clifton's house, me, Matt Harris, Brian Clifton, and Will, or Will's house because they all lived really close to the high school or <laughs> not. And like we would do homework, which wouldn't take us any time, and then we just stayed outside. Like a TV was not even cut on <laughs> and stuff of that nature. So it's like nice to like get back to like that like whether it be that we were playing basketball or playing yeah. kicking a soccer ball around there's nothing <laughs> so. good you could get on tv it was like you don't want to watch maury at four o'clock when you get home from school <laughs> yeah. you know it's like being outside so much more, so much more. yeah for sure. youtube yet yeah oh man is dan brown the one the name sounds familiar but i'm is that the one with um he did the Da Vinci Code, Digital Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so addictive. Like, I remember it was, like, the first one I read was, I think the first book, the first one by him I read was Angels and Demons. And it was, my oldest brother sent it, sent it to me. It was my first year at IE and stuff, and, like, Obviously, like at that point, like being a Division One soccer player, uh, being away from home, obviously, it's a time when like you could, because like I mean, like I was raised in a strict household, like 
my mom was definitely the disciplinarian, but my dad like didn't say much, but definitely like held the air of disciplinary as well. And so, so like definitely was a time in which like, like a lot of kids, I could have wilded it out. And obviously like I did, but like I kept it in check. So like, he was like, just came, sent me that book and for probably like two months, it just collected dust on my desk. And then like, I got sick. So like, I really could not even leave my room. Like I ended up getting catching bronchitis or whatever. And I picked up the book and like finished it in like a day and a half. <laughs> so I've just been like, I've loved his books ever since. Yeah. Something you've purchased in the last year that was under a hundred bucks that you would say has most positively impacted your life. Hmm. Um, well, it's not something I've purchased. It's something that my girlfriend has purchased. So the day we met, it was October 17th. My girlfriend's really into stars and stuff. So she like looks up what the stars were at the location where we saw it met for the first time or whatever, like blows this thing up puts it in a frame like has our name and the date that we met or whatnot and stuff and you know, like as we walk and like i so that was like one of my my chris her one of my christmas presents from her um and it's like and it's hung up like right at the wall like at right beside my door so like every time that like i go to leave uh leave our bedroom to like go to work or I leave our bedroom to get on a conference call for work or just leave our bedroom for anything. It's like one of the things I see and stuff. So, and like, obviously like there is a lot of times in which like I'm leaving the bedroom to go do work and I'm in a rush because a lot of things are going on. It's a hectic day, but like, I'll just see it out of the corner out of my eye. And like, I, it just like definitely like helps ground me because like, I know, Obviously, she's one of the reasons why I work so hard and why I do what I do and stuff of that nature. So, how has a failure set you up for later success? <clears throat> um, I think, and like, I don't know if like I would describe it as a failure just because I'm of the mindset that like it's only really a failure if you don't learn from it so then you're just repeating the same mistake so like I definitely like like my parents were together for almost 40 years before like my mom passed away in college and my dad this past year um so and like a lot of my friends like growing up like their parents were still together. Like the Cliftons are still together. Will's parents were together until his dad passed away the year after my mother. Um, like the Tysons are still together. So like I grew up around, I didn't grow up around being exposed to a lot of like split homes or divorces or stuff of that nature. Um, and so, so like when I, did meet the, mo the mother of my daughter, Addison. Um, 
when we didn't work out, like I definitely felt like that was a failure because I definitely like tried to. It's just we were not meant to be together in that way. Like she's a great mother. I'm a great father. Like we're great co-parents together and stuff. But like I definitely like in the moment, like felt like that was a failure just because like my oldest brother, like he's married to his college sweetheart and has two beautiful sons. Um, my middle brother is married and has a daughter. Um, so like it was just like that was like hard for me just because like. Uh, and like I remember like my dad like sitting me down like when it did happen and like he like sat me down and he was like Chauncey he was like not everyone is going to find their Mary which was my mother's name he was like honestly I think very few people find their Marys or whatever and that's just like <laughs> the kind of love like my parents like had for one another but like I definitely think like dealing with that and stuff like has put me put me in the place and has put me in the place to continue to be where it allows me it allowed me to make time because look i am 100 percent a workaholic but like when i met kaylin like wow trust me like i do not allow people to work harder than me but i just became better at time management like i will crank out more work in four hours just so i can like have these hour and a half with caitlin before she has to do her dental hygiene stuff oh and not and so just like i will skirt, skate time while not like hindering work or not doing a subpar job at work but like i definitely like me realizing her importance and like knowing some of like my faults, which caused help did help cause like me and Addison's mother not to be together, not making that same mistake with Caitlin. Yeah. Okay, you open up on some very personal, you know, sensitive. Um, but I think that the fact that you draw can draw strength and wisdom from that experience is uh helpful because you know, it can change anything right in the past but we can uh learn from it and and get make wiser decisions in the future so that's awesome absolutely now you've mentioned your dad a couple times i remember you made a real touching post several months ago shortly after he passed away sounds like he was an awesome man taught you a ton i first want to say sorry for your loss and second, I want to ask if you don't mind telling us a little about your dad and like the lessons you learned from him. Would love to hear a story or what he nailed as a father. Yeah. Um, well, my dad like he was a great man. Um, yeah. So like, my dad, like he was a self-made man. My dad is from an extremely small town in Alabama called Tallahassee, Alabama. Like the first, like he was the first person in his family, like he was the oldest, he was the first person in his family that could read, first person to graduate high school, first person to go to college and graduate college. Um, the, like in the town, this is how small my dad's town is. The first indoor plumbing 
was my grandmother's home that my dad paid for when he first got like his first big salary job. Wow. That was the in the town. The first place that had indoor plumbing was my grandmother's house. Um, I remember visiting there one time. I was probably the summer after my sophomore year of college, so '05. Um, I remember visiting. I fly into Huntsville, Alabama. And I drive to Tallahassee in a rental car. Drive to Tallahassee, and I I beat both of my brothers and my sister there. So I'm driving and I'm going, heading to my grandmother's house and not even really paying attention at first. Like I go past a stoplight and then it hits me. So I pull off on the side of the road. I call my oldest brother who is like in between flights to get down to Alabama. And I was, I was like, Tony, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And he was like, what, Chauncey? And I was like, Tallahassee has a stoplight. And he was like, no, it doesn't, Chauncey. Tallahassee doesn't have a stoplight. So I hang up on him. I don't argue with him. I hang up on him. I just take a picture and send it to him. <laughs> Whatever. And he, by this point, I guess he's already on the plane. Or not himself because he doesn't respond to me. So... I then, I'm the one, because I'm in town, or I'm already there, I go and pick him and my older brother, Chris, up from the airport and whatnot. And so, <laughs> first words aren't, I love you. Hey, Chauncey, how you doing? How's soccer going? It's, I can't believe that they have a stoplight now. That is the first <laughs> words out of my brother's, both of my brother's mouths. <laughs> Whatever. Like that is the kind of town my dad's from, and like, and like he just like he. My dad wasn't a like big talker or not, but like he definitely had a lot of knowledge, and like, like you never questioned like how my dad, like while he, my dad wasn't the person who like was going to hug me seventeen times a day kiss me on the mouth like Tom Brady and tell me how much he loves me. Like I never, I always knew how much he loved me. Um, and like, he just like definitely like made that, like, just like I, like, just like I said, I never like, played competitive soccer till I was in 11th grade. My dad knew absolutely nothing about soccer. I don't think my dad ever seen a soccer game before I started playing. But my dad was at every game. Like <laughs> he would like work his schedule around to be at every game. Every spring break when we would have to go to Myrtle Beach for the soccer tournament or White Doe for their soccer tournament. And it would get rained out every year. My dad was there. <laughs> so like my dad my dad like bought a book like soccer for dummies when I started playing soccer. And so just because I was into it, so my dad wanted to be able to have conversation with me about it or whatnot. Um, like, he was just like, like, he was a man who, like, he, like, he always knew, like, what he could do. And he knew, like, what he wasn't that great at. So, like, he played to his streams. And then, like, my mom would be the exact opposite, like. My mom was the kind of person that 
like the quote that like you never met a stranger is just someone you haven't met yet was about my mother like she would talk to everyone obviously like was always like always involved in what i was doing like i didn't know how to read music but my mom quickly became a band mom and a drumline mom because she was always there like she was already in with the pto just because like from her being a former teacher um obviously like she came to a bunch of all of my all of the games that she could as long as she was feeling well they both would fly out to Colorado Springs and see my soccer games or especially the couple times we played teams on the East Coast, they were always there. Um, they, my dad made it, my dad never missed a game at IU. My mom didn't miss one until she got really sick. Um, like they both just like, while they expressed like, their love in different ways because like my mom like she was that emotional person that like would hug me a million times i mean i was a senior in high school winning these awards for sports and like academics but i'd go and sit on my mom's lap like i was five years old but, um, <laughs> but like, it just is like it is but like my dad just like he and like me and him, like we definitely got a lot closer. Like after, like my mom passed. Like I think, like it's just that, like it's nothing. Like he, he was ever disinterested. Like he just knew, like as far as like me as a person, like me and as an emotional being, like he knew, like Mary had that on lock. Like she knew what was going on with Chauncey. But he definitely like made an effort and like me and he would just call me randomly and talk to me about my day and stuff so like and he like obviously like would get the biggest smile when my daughter was around him or any of my nieces or nephews were around him and stuff of that nature i'm sure it it sounds like they had an incredible relationship. Your parents, where I, I liked your comment when you said he's like, "Hey, most people don't have a Mary." Let's be honest, you know, <laughs> even if they are married. Um, what what do you feel like were the keys to success in their relationship? Um, really, I think the biggest key was communication, and I also think like they definitely. Like they counteracted each other really, really well, and like, and like they didn't look at it as like the the other was trying to take over. Like my mom was the social being, so like my dad had zero issue allowing my mom to talk to everybody in the room and just sitting back with a random dad that just want like wanted to like sit and shoot the shit about sports and stuff like so many times like that's why like the friendships like with me and tyson and brian clifton and will were like so close and even matt harris even though like it was just his dad there like all of those dads that i just mentioned are quiet in comparison to who their wives were so like our, like all the kids, we would be all be playing together. The moms would all be sitting together talking, and our dad would just be sitting in one of our living rooms, probably watching, 
watching a game. And if a game wasn't on, they'd be watching something on ESPN Classic about a game that they legitimately probably could tell you every play before it happened. But that's what they would do. <laughs> so, especially like my dad and Will's dad, because obviously, like me and Will were the closest out of that whole group. But um, like our moms, like would just like have conversations and like they would be having a great time because our moms were talking and like doing what they were doing. We would be having a good time because we were hanging out with our friends, and then our dads would be having a good time because no one was not bothering them, but like they were just allowing them to be at peace. They wanted to watch a sports game and that's what they were doing. Yeah. So Chauncey, you lost both of your parents as still a, a relatively young man. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts or advice for people who still have their parents with them? Um, that'd be one question. And then a second would be, maybe any any advice for someone who has recently lost a parent uh, kind of in the middle of managing that sorrow yeah um i think like for for me especially like with both like with both losses like i definitely dove into different things um like with my mom i was in college obviously so i really like i really dove into like soccer and I dove into schoolwork just because, and then like with my dad, like obviously this was this past year, I really dove into work. Like I remember like my dad passed away, it was a Friday and I had off because it was my birthday. Um, so like that Friday happens, my director of operation finds out about my dad passing away like we all like he knew that he was sick and stuff but he finds out about my dad passing away like instantly he like reaches out to me and he like gives his condolences tells me that he's already like made it so that like i'm don't have to go to work the next day um i did go to work i basically had to have a sit down with <laughs> one of my regionals because my regional came in got there before i did came in at 7 a.m and stuff because he was waiting on me because he was going to try to send me home and stuff and my regional had lost his father earlier that same year earlier of last year um so he was like chancy like he, he sat down with me like but like i needed like Distraction is the wrong word, but like, or to just for word purposes, like I needed the distraction. Like I needed to not be at home just sitting thinking about like what I was going through, because I was just going to drive me crazy. So I I did use another part of my life just to keep me busy, and I I definitely think that that is a good thing. I think it is easily can be made into a bad thing. Because I, in both situations, like I was sat down, I was like, like with my dad, I was told, like I was told that I had to take two days off. Even like this was months down the road because like it happened in August. I did not take a single day off besides the two days I went, came back home for my dad's funeral until 
the beginning of October. And then when I finally took a day a, a, a day off, like it was me being forced to like one of my owners and my director of operations came to my store and basically took my keys from my to the store and said I could come back in two days. But they were like, don't answer a phone call. <laughs> like they reached out to all the reps that I had to, because at that point, I didn't have a kitchen manager. So I was making all food orders, all beer orders, all everything. Like my regional was like, he was like, I'm going to do your schedule. I'm going to make all your orders. Like he was like, I don't want you doing anything for work. He was like, I don't care what you do. He's like, you want to go home? Cool. You want to like sit in your house and just get blackout drunk both days? Like he was like, that's cool. He was like, but you need to like deal with it. So like, I definitely would say, like, my advice would be definitely. Hopefully when this does happen, you definitely have a group around you that will support you. Cause I definitely had lots of friends who would come just drop by my house, um, come by and see me at work. Cause they knew nine out of 10, that's where I was. Randomly text me, call me, um, stuff of that nature. Because like, like there's no way to prepare for like that like i mean obviously like we all expect as the child to outlive our parents but like there's no like sort of like rubric on how to deal with it like i can just like tell people this is how I did it. these are some of the pitfalls i saw that were of my own doing and but like there's no way of you follow these steps everything's going to be perfect because everything's not going to be perfect and it won't ever be the same because like you're always going to miss them like you'll randomly think of like advice especially like now that i have a child and another on the way like i'll randomly will be having conversations with addison and i'll catch myself because I'm like, that sounds exactly like my dad. That stuff just comes <laughs> out. So, and I love those um, Geico commercials about becoming your parent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, how would you describe your parenting style uh, with regards to Addison? Um, my parenting style, I'm definitely like, and look, or even though, like, and I'm sure it'll be the same way with when Caitlin has our child. Um, like, I'm definitely pushed into the disciplinary role, which, like, it's fine, but like, I definitely, I, I try to, like, I don't want Addison to do things and like while I don't feel like I have to explain my reasoning for things I want her to know why things are happening the way they are like I always want her like they're like it's okay to like wonder why things are some way like that's just like part of life figuring out why things are happening so like I mean like I'm definitely like we have those hard conversations like 
wearing the Charlottesville stuff because Addison, like her mother and Addison, like they still live in Charlottesville. So when that stuff happened, um, and like when the George Floyd stuff happened, I mean, I, I went back up to Charlottesville like a week later after the George Floyd stuff. Um, when the Charlottesville stuff happened, because I had just gotten here, like we were Skype. I mean, not any different than what we do normally, but we were Skyping every day talking. So she's able to like ask me those hard questions. I mean, like, we, Addison is biracial. Like my childhood, that is Caitlin's having right now, like is also going to be biracial. So like, she's got questions and like, they can say stuff, but like they can't give like the perspective of she's half black because they're white or not and stuff. So like, I definitely like, I try to have lots of conversations because I know like that's what my parents did with me. Like my dad had like hard conversations and stuff. My mom had lots of hard conversations with me, but like I felt more secure about stuff because I did have these conversations with my parents. Yeah. And I was allowed to ask any question and stuff. And that's kind of like what I try to do with Addison, especially like, I mean, she's 10 now. So like, she's got lots of questions. Like she wants to know why certain things are the way they are or why me and her mother aren't together and stuff of that nature. And while those are hard conversations, like I'm not going to lie to her. I'm just, I'm going to let her know. Sure. Um, what is something that you wish new dads or future dads understood or were ready for? Any advice for the up and comers? Yeah. Um, there, there's, you just, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to allow yourself to make mistakes. But as long as you're there, like, that's all that really matters. Like it will cover up, not cover up. It'll like lighten and easy, ease like any of those mistakes as long as you're there. Like your presence means more than you could ever imagine. Um, I mean, like, like I said, like this, and like I had a daughter. Like I remember telling my dad that I was going to have a daughter. Like my like my parents have two three nine grandkids so they have nine grandkids um caitlin the child that we're having now will be number 10. yeah so all together they'll have 10 grandkids and three great grandkids out of all of those grandkids, they have two girls. So I was wow. like, we are a family that produces boys. <laughs> so my dad, plain as day, just straight up said, I was like, dad, um, Ashley, she's pregnant. You're having a girl. I was like, what? I was like, no. And he was like, no, you deserve this son. I was like, what do you mean I deserved it? You didn't have to pay for my college. I have a great job. I just recently bought you a new truck. I feel like I'm doing well. And he was like, no, you you were a good kid. 
but you definitely learned this one. And I was like, so confused <laughs> or whatever. And like, and then I found out it was going to be a girl. And I was obviously like terrified because <laughs> obviously like I want to do the right things. I, but like, no one's going, no one does everything right. Like there is not a right or wrong in a lot of things with parenting and stuff. But that's why like, I think it's just your presence is most important. Like, you can be busy making th ends meet for your family and stuff of that nature, but never lose sight of why you're working so hard because time is one of those things you can't get back. Yeah. As you look towards the future, what's one thing you feel optimistic about? Um, one thing I feel optimistic about is I just feel really good and optimistic about my future obviously like you said earlier like i'm having a child looking at buying a house hopefully like furthering my career in f and possibly one day in the future like not just being a manager but being an owner of my own entity so those are just things i'm looking forward to looking forward to um just progressing in my own path and where the future is leading. Sure. Do you have any shows or podcasts you want to recommend other people to check out? Um, podcast, I really do lots of sports. I love Stephen A. Um, Joe Rogan's hilarious. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like shows, I, you're, you're probably not going to believe this, but I am a huge Bachelorette fan. Like when I say huge, like Kate, like my girlfriend, like the first time I remember. She, so like when I was at, I think it's it started when I was at UVA. I have this group of it's twelve dudes, like. And none of these dudes, if you looked at them, would you be like, he watches Bachelorette. Like, one of them is Justin Anderson, who plays in the NBA. Anthony Harris, who plays in the NFL. Like, those guys were all undergrads at UVA when I was there. So it's like pro athletes, guys that, like, own businesses now, and then, like, guys that, like, went, like, a bunch of guys that went to business school with me. We would do a Bachelorette draft. Like, huge board, because, like, me, Justin Anderson, and then my friend Cody, who lives in Texas, um, we all lived together their senior year, and which was my last year before I got my master's. We all lived together, had this huge board where we like do pictures of all the all the women bachelors and bachelorettes, and like we would pick, like you pick. It's just like fantasy football drafts. Like you, you draft who you're going with, and then it's a huge pot at the end. Whoever wins, and so and like I remember, like we were, like it was like starting, and like like I mean, Caitlin's a female, so typically they tend to watch stuff like that. So like she was like, so she like goes downstairs into my living room to watch The Bachelorette because like she's like Chelsea's home, like. I'll let him just hang out and 
thing I don't want to bother him with having to watch this show or whatever. And um, we're so we're on the phone and something like I do like this three way call with Justin and Cody, and like we're just like like you you would have thought we were watching a sporting event that like our child's in the way we're screaming or whatever, but we're just talking about the bachelor, the bachelorette. On how like my dude's going away, stuff like that. So like she like a commercial happens and like she comes upstairs and like she like stands outside the door for a second and like we're start like she hear she's hearing the conversation because like it's on speaker like Sonos through the through the room or whatever and like she was like comes in for a second and like <laughs> says hey to the guys the guys say hey to her and she was like. Are you watching The Bachelorette? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and then she was like, and like I was the one who like for this year. So like now, like since we live different places, typically like what happens is like we'll go someplace and then one person just because we still do the poster board every year. It's just a little bit smaller now because like this thing took up an entire wall. Or whatever when we were in college. <laughs> now it's just a smaller version and stuff. So, and then, like, one of us will take it. So whoever wins the previous year gets to take the poster with them for the next one. <laughs> and since I won the previous year, I had the poster. And she was like, why? And I was like, well, I got to make sure my, my lineup's going to do okay. And she was like, what are you talking about? So I explained it to her. And, like, she was like, she was like, how? how much do you win? And I was like, that's not important. <laughs> and she was like, it's it's an absurd amount of money for a TV show, isn't it? And I was like, probably to you. And like, she was like, and Justin just chimes in. And he was like, he won last year. He's got the poster. You should have him show it to you. So she was like, where's this poster? So like, I go in to like another part of my office and like I pull out this poster and she just dies laughing. And like she was and I was like, what? And she was like, I can't believe that a pro NBA player and my hard ass boyfriend, who is this hard nosed GM that just cares about numbers and the bottom line is are screaming at one another about the Bachelorette. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> <I'm good." laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, and Bachelorette's the one where there's uh, one girl who's choosing from a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Okay. God. Yeah. That's um. Hey, the good news is your girlfriend stuck you after you told her exactly. that you were exactly. deep into it. She's a key. <laughs> Um, all right. Hey, last, last question before we let you go. Um, what is a good cause that you wish more people knew about? Um, a good cause. It's actually a local Charleston cause. Um, it's called 180 Place here in Charleston. So there, there's a family called the Patrick family, like, they own a ton of property in downtown Charleston. Their daughter owns like two restaurants and like they help. So they opened up a charity in which 
basically anyone in Charleston, all you have if you want to like help the help the homeless in any way, like whether it's in you want to prepare meals, you want to bring, you want to serve meals, like as restaurants, if you have food that like it's still good, it's just you can't serve it or not, you can bring it, you can bring it to them and like they'll prepare it. Um, they do classes for people and it's just people that are like hard in their luck. Like some of them, some of the people just like you meet like military veterans who just are hard in their luck, people who went to jail for one reason or another and are just trying to find just not looking for handouts, just like looking for like that extra assistance. Um, it's definitely something that I do. I try to go there once. I tend to go there once or twice a week, me and Caitlin together. Um, Sometimes it's like very, they'll have kids and like I'll like help them with homework or stuff of that nature, or I'll make a meal, help make meals or serve food. It's just like nice. Like, it's really like, it's not hard to help another person. So like, it's just like, that's definitely a organization that like, I I found out about them a few years ago and stuff. And it's an organization that's doing a great cause. And it's just for them. It's just like, they're all from Charleston, born and raised. They just want to help people from their town and stuff. So. That's awesome. I like that. It's local. It's personal. It doesn't involve, you know, some kind of federal or national bureaucracy. And well, it's like direct yeah. individual relationships and reskilling. Yeah, like, is really what, what you need. Yeah, they definitely help like people with jobs, like because they do like they have a full service kitchen. So like a couple like some of my line cooks that like obviously I don't make anybody do it, but like some of my line cooks, like they will go there on some of their off days. And um, we actually will like pay our line cooks to go there and teach these guys, like just to learn how to be a line cook. And then they can get hot. Obviously, Charleston has a ton of restaurants that are always looking for help. And so, so yeah. a lot of times we get people help. Um, there was a dude who I met through this program. And now he, like, when I first started and he just got, like, a, an assistant kitchen manager's job, like, just, like, wow. had never worked in a kitchen before in his life. Like, he knew how to cook for himself, but never, like, on, like, the level of um, cooking for masses and stuff. And I, I did, I taught him some stuff had other friends who like are chefs or executive chefs or sous chefs like come in with me a few times. They taught him stuff. They got him like a couple like jobs here or there. He got in with a catering outfit and now he's almost running that catering outfit for him. So I love second chances. I love ways to help people with second chances. Like, whether they become homeless or they went to prison, we've all done stupid things or had unlucky circumstances hit us. Their situation of uh, being homeless or a prisoner shouldn't be the end of their life. And they almost always need help to get out of that situation. 
So I love you participating in an organization that provides second chances and skills and support networks for people in situations like that. So, um, man, I love talking with you. Thanks so much for coming on. It's great to be reminded of all the joint memories and to hear about where you've been since. Uh, thanks for sharing the wisdom. It was a blast having you. Thanks for having me, Sean. Really appreciate it. Man. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to make sure you catch new episodes as they come out. If you've already subscribed, please consider sharing an episode with a friend and or rating the podcast in Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. If you have a dad in mind who would make a killer guest, send me a note. If you have a question you'd like me to ask, please share it with me. If you have any other feedback, including but not limited to hate mail, send it on over. You can find me on LinkedIn under the name Sean Radvansky. I always enjoy hearing from listeners, wherever or whoever you are. Thank you for joining me as I ask random questions to learn about various topics and hear how these dads live their lives. I enjoy doing these episodes and knowing that you are listening provides extra motivation. So thank you. I hope you make today a good day. See you next time.